I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to our third episode of Chargers Lately. Thank you guys for tuning in, staying with us. I know, again, the podcast was kind of abruptly thrown in your face, but uh, that's kind of how we do it here over at SB Nation. And I know you guys are, are glad I can finally get back on the airwaves. Today, we're doing, um, you know, not terribly long podcast, but we've got my good friend, Gavino Borquez from uh, Chargers Editor. He does everything over there. Actually just dropped his huge, huge, huge 2020 NFL draft uh, guide for the Chargers. Over 200 prospects included in that. I don't know how we got it done, but he did it anyway, and it's a hell of a pickup. It's something you guys should all definitely read. Uh, Gavino, welcome. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for having me. Obviously, we've talked in the past, and we've done a Mm -hmm. few podcasts, but I'm happy to be back. Yeah, man. It's always much more fun to to do these with people. Um, As much as I enjoy podcasting, having someone to talk to just makes it a little less weird when you're sitting in your own home <laughs> staring at a screen. So uh, really appreciate it as always. And yes, we do talk quite a bit. So I'm glad we can actually record one of these podcasts to potentially look back on. Um, we've got a couple topics today, guys. Um, this is probably my last pre-draft podcast that I will do before everything kind of gets underway, first round starts. And today we're finally just going to go over our initial reactions. We're going to talk about the jerseys. Of course, we got to talk about the jerseys. It's kind of the biggest deal of forever until Gronkowski had to just come out of retirement and ruin the whole day um, with the Chargers in the spotlight. So we're going to go over our thoughts on uniforms. We're going to go into our draft crushes. So not like who we think are the best players in the draft or anything like that, like our personal favorites. So they can be a fourth-round guy, fifth-round guy, deep into day three, two, three, whatever. I mean, they could be from any round. So we'll finish up with that. And time permitting, I think we're just going to go over final thoughts. We're going to go over what we think is going to happen on Thursday, how we think it's all going to play out. Um, and go from there. I think it's a solid place. So starting things off, Gavino, uniforms. They were revealed on Good Morning Football yesterday morning. The Chargers ended up getting six different uniform combinations, including two color rush jerseys. They added new pants, which were amazing. I know a lot of people talked about possibly the yellow being added. They did it. Just give us your overall thoughts um, and go ahead and throw in your favorites as well. Best uniforms in the NFL, man. Obviously, we had a lot of anticipation leading up into it with all the former and current players hyping them up. We, have, we even had some media guys like Benjamin Albright being able to see them before they were actually released. But I think they lived up to their expectations, man. Um, <clears throat> obviously, from what they were hint- hinting prior to, they were just trying to go with more of like the old school back when they were like in L.A. in like the 70s. Um, and they definitely nailed it. <clears throat> Obviously, there's some people that seem to hate them, but I just think that it's more so out of jealousy because at the moment, the Chargers have the best uniforms in the NFL. You can kind of like say that they did before, but I don't think there's any other team in the NFL that's going to be able to uh, top these. 
Yeah, I believe so. Um, and I'll give you guys the lowdown on like my actual, you know, from start to finish reaction to the jerseys. So the, they played the video and you could kind of see one of the one of the jerseys beforehand as like the thumbnail of the video. It was the powder blue on yellow pants jersey. So I saw that and I went, oh, shit, did they really go to yellow pants as like their main jersey? Thankfully not. It was an alternative. So the video plays. They show all the jerseys, including the final two color rush, the navy um, and the royal blue. And my first thought was, holy shit, these are amazing. At second thought, I took a step back before I, you know, whooped and cheered and stuff and got out of my seat. I thought, hey, those numbers are obviously different. It's a different font and they're a softer font. And at first I was like, do I like that? Do I like a, a less intimidating chest per se? And they simplified it, right? They took uh, the word chargers off the front. So there's just the, the logo of the NFL on the collar and then the bolts and, and the numbers. And so um, the chest in general is like softer. And that's the only word I can think of. It's rounded edges around the numbers, um, less 90 degree angles and, and sharp edges for a more uh, you know, intimidating look. But at the end of the day, that's what they kind of wanted to go for. They wanted this laid back Southern California vibe um, in their jerseys. They obviously um, committed to powder blue and yellow and white as their main colors. They went with like the sunshine gold, I think it was. Just very like easy vibe and colors. But the more I've looked at them, honestly, those all navy color rush jerseys might be my favorite. Like I saw the video that came out with all the chargers kind of passing a football to each other. It was like a TikTok or something like that. And then they like put the football towards the camera and then pulled it out and they went from wearing normal clothes to wearing their jersey. And Mike Davis had the navy blue on and it looked so damn cool on the player. It looks so much cooler on the player. And then you think about the, the dark Navy bolt, just, it's just sick, man. The way they, they didn't do a full yellow bolt. It was just the yellow outline bolt and let the Navy kind of shine through there. I think it's fantastic. The Royal blue is fantastic. The numbers on the helmet are awesome. A lot of people um, at first who talked to me about it, didn't like the numbers. And I was like, well, you know, that's like a throwback to uh, when they started, they had them from 1960 to I think 73. And they were like, oh, if that's the case, and yeah, they are cool. They just thought we added numbers for no reason. But I think it's awesome. It's actually pretty insane when you go back through the archives and realize how much history they packed into these uniforms. It's 60s, it's 70s, it's 80s. I mean, it's, there's something all the way through up till now. The navies make you think of Junior Seau and the 94, right? Going to the AFC Championship game and going to the Super Bowl. Like, it's phenomenal. So those are my my thoughts which one did you say was your favorite again i just like the navy on navy man yeah. i know you have a lot of people that will say the powder blues are the best ones or even just like um the white ones but the, the navy blue ones just and the navy blue pants mm -hmm. it's just such a clean look it's so simple but it looks so good and um i think you know depending on who they draft or when they draft a rookie i'm gonna hold off to get that jersey I was tempted to buy an Austin Eckler jersey because that's the mm -hmm. one player I don't have. Yeah. And obviously, you, you know that he's going to be with the Chargers for a while, so oh, yeah. you can afford to do that. And, um, you know, you see on Twitter with people just spending, like, shoot, over 400 bucks on these jerseys. So, And I someone even said that they sold out pretty quick. Uh, but then when I went back to the website, they were still available, but I'm just assuming in given sizes. But it's just, like, crazy that, you know, they're selling quick, but – I'm not surprised by it by any means because 
they are spot on with the jerseys. Obviously, like you mentioned, they're combining different elements from the 60s, 70s, even 80s, and they, they just kind of molded it into mm-hmm. one with just the four different jerseys. So it's it's pretty cool to see. And obviously with the numbers, um, being on the helmets, I know a lot of people that don't like them, but I honestly do. And we kind of could have expected that coming Um you know, just given like the clues and everything, the numbers on the helmets were almost like a given. But other than that, <clears throat> A plus with the uniforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first thing I saw that got um, sold out was Derwin James's uh, white away jersey. I saw like mm-hmm. his, his home jersey was missing a couple sizes. It was like smalls and mediums. Um, I didn't see any of them that were fully sold out, but it was funny. They like strategically gave each player only a certain amount of, of Jersey decisions besides Derwin James. Derwin James had his home away, Royal blue and Navy. Um, I believe Navy. Yeah. And then Eckler had like just two of those Bosa had like yeah, Navy yeah, blue. Yeah. yeah. And then um, Keenan Allen only had a couple. So they were like, they went all in on Derwin James thinking he was probably going to be the most popular guy. And then they got it, you know, the three other players and I'm sure they'll add for sure more players. They got to add Hunter Henry. They, I mean, I'm sure obviously he wasn't signed to a long-term deal. So, that's why. And even though Bosa is about to be up on his contract, they still felt like that was needed as well. Um, I think they did such a good job. It's fantastic. I'm looking at it right now. And, and honestly, the more I look at it, the more they're going to grow on me. So absolutely fantastic. They did a good job um, on those for sure. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So draft crushes, moving right along draft crushes. So I'm going to have you answer this question first. The guy that you just can't wait to see his name said doesn't matter if it's first second third night doesn't matter what round it is you you're going to follow them in the draft and then wherever they go even if it's not the chargers you're probably always going to kind of root for that guy in the nfl well i think people that follow me on twitter kind of know this one but for me it's ben barch the offensive tackle mm-hmm. out of st john's um i saw a little bit of tape before going to the senior bowl in mobile alabama but just from seeing him dominate d3 competition it's like okay you know it's smaller competition but just seeing him go up against the edge rushers mobile just seeing how fluid he was and with his movements um the ability to anchor against some of these you know top edge rushers was just second to none man and you know you have people talking about should he move into guard but it's just like why if he's flourishing at tackle kick him inside but he's just so smooth with what he does obviously he can get stronger um, I feel like in the run blocking department, that might be some something that he needs to to do in terms of getting stronger. But he did show the ability to withstand power. And um, with Ben Barch, like I said, you know, the Chargers were one of the four teams that met with him at the Combine. And it makes sense with the, having James Campen as the new offensive line coach. So there is a possibility that, you know, say they go quarterback or – Isaiah Simmons in the first round, wide receiver second, corner second. And then they could be looking at Ben Barch in round three. Because I definitely feel like that is a James Campen type of guy, um, you know, early mid-round guy that they could develop into something special. And uh, obviously we know from last year, Trey Pipkins coming from a Division II school and people aren't going to be too thrilled just to see Division II, Division three, just a lower level of competition. But you know, you got to scout the player and Ben Barch went to the senior bowl. So Trey Pippins went to the East West shrine game last year. Mm-hmm. Ben Barch went to the senior bowl and he was handling edge rushers that are projected to go in the top 50. There was even like a rep of him um, just mauling through Javon Kinlock. So that was just something 
great to see. So that's probably probably my one draft crush that I'm going to follow and I'll along when he gets drafted and I'll probably get a jersey, honestly. For real, no matter where he goes. Yep. Yep. No matter where he goes, even if it's just like a a Patriot, like if he goes to the Patriots, I don't know if I would spend like a jer- like spend money on a jersey, but I'd definitely get like his shirt with his last name on it. But um, again, like you know, you'd think just like an offensive lineman, like rocking like a seventy-five. Like I don't even care, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna support him all along. But he actually finished out. Um, let me pull up my big board because this is something where people are gonna be like, "What? Like you, you know, you're crazy for this one." Um, where did he finish? Up? Yeah, I know you were one of the biggest fans of his. So I think in final, everyone's final grades, you might have one of the highest grades on Barch this season. Ben Barch finished as my 40th ranked overall prospect. Mm. So that is, I gave him a round two grade and that's where I would be comfortable taking him. So that's like three spots after the Chargers. But honestly, he should be available in round three. Um, I've seen mock drafts that see him going in day three but you know what Jim Nagy said talking to teams he's not getting out of day two so if you think you can get him like round four um that's not likely uh so yeah Ben Barch by far is is my draft crush and I will throw in one more and that guy being um I think a lot of people are growing on him as well and I wouldn't be surprised to see if he goes early day or early day two and that's logan wilson mm-hmm. i remember i called you about him mike i told you yep. about him i was like this is a chargers type of player and you know tough athletic linebacker just read and react instinct sideline to sideline speed just zone coverage awareness and just like blitzing ability he does it all and if you just like look at his numbers like over 400 tackles and just hearing him talk like that is a type of guy that tom telesco would go after and that's why like if they were to go quarterback off tackle uh first round i would be happy with taking isaiah wilson round two because it seems like we're going to take a linebacker davis brown being gone uh kaiser white basically you know drawing durability concerns and denzel perryman only having one more one more year on the contract we're going to be taking a linebacker earlier than anticipated. So Logan Wilson would be a Telesco type of guy and seeing him, Andrew Tranquil playing um, the second level, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. I recently saw uh, John Ledyard on the timeline, uh, just watched some Logan Wilson film and seemed to be a huge fan uh, of Wilson's. Like his notes were literally, I think just said that he's good at football, which is kind of like the biggest compliment that you can really give to anybody. Um, The draft network has him as their 86th ranked prospect overall. So that's a late uh, round three pick. Um, Wouldn't be surprised to see him go late round two or, or anything like that as well. He's a good player. Um, I watched a little bit of him. He's just a natural guy. And I, I love seeing prospects that you don't need to watch a lot of film on them to just be like, he looks like he knows what he's doing. Like he's good at football. And no matter the situation, he just finds a way to get it done. And I think those are very translatable things that I look in, in prospects anyway, um, without getting too deep into like the specifics or the stats or anything about their careers. If they look like they're just good football players, it's probably a good start. Um, let's see. So and my what? favorites, did you have one more thought? 
Well, I have just one more guy, and it's right, a guy that we're, de we're definitely not going to be able to get because we already have these positions solidified um, mm -hmm. unless you were to play the Adrian Phillips role. That's Terrell Burgess from Utah, mm -hmm. man. Um, I don't know if you watched him, but he, he does it all. And, again, another guy that I saw in Mobile, and with me being a Pac-12 guy, I already saw a bunch of him, but he's a definition of spatial awareness, being able to read uh, receivers' uh, routes and being able to run with them just smooth and make, making plays on the ball. But, you know, he's got the range, read and reactability, instincts, and just a high motor. Um, the only thing that I knocked him on is just his size and, and play strength. But um, overall, he can kind of just, like, do it all. And uh, that would, would be a guy, like, if we didn't have a nickel cornerback or just, like, a strong safety, um, that he could solidify that role. And I'd be happy with on my team. And he finished with the round two grade. So Utah actually – you know, it doesn't have to do with draft crushes. Um, I could throw Francis Bernard, the linebacker, in there, but Utah has a bunch of players and, um, on that defensive side of the ball that are going to get drafted. Uh, they had some playmakers, and obviously they're notorious for their defense last year. So Terrell Burgess um, is my third draft crush. I have a, a few more. I could go on and on, but um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> those are like the main three, Barch, Wilson, and Burgess. <clears throat> Yeah, I haven't personally watched a ton of, of Burgess myself, but I've seen a lot of love for him on the timeline, and that usually spells good things. Uh, you know, it's, it's, there's truth in numbers. If I see a lot of people showing him love, I'm going to assume that, you know, he's universally probably yeah. one of the best players in this draft. Uh, I got a couple guys. Um, as I mentioned before, I love Cam Akers. Now, for those of you who don't know, my wife's from Minnesota. I watch a good handful of um, – Minnesota Vikings games during the season as well. And I've really fallen in love with watching Dalvin Cook. And I know it it's like, might be a little bit of a cop-out because Dalvin Cook was the guy who was the starting running back there at Florida State before um, Akers. But I see some a decent amount of uh, Dalvin Cook's athleticism and evasiveness in Akers. And you, gotta, you can't help but feel for a guy who supposedly one out of every three carries, I think it was one out of 30% uh, of his carries, he was contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage. And the guy still rushed for well over 1,100 yards. I think he had 14, 15 uh, rushing touchdowns, did some stuff in the receiving game as well. The guy is just good. If he can put up those numbers behind one of, if not the worst offensive line in the country, that says something. So big fan of Akers, big fan if the Chargers were to take a shot at him, top of the fourth, you know, even as high as the third round, if they really felt like he was their guy someone who could come into this offense and play a big role, especially in their new zone run scheme, um, I think he'd be very successful. I just think he's a good ball player, and you can't have enough of those types of guys. So love, love, love Cam Akers. Um, I just had my other guy at the top of the tongue. Um, oh, yeah, Troy, uh, Troy Akers, died from Oregon, um, but go ahead. Akers finished in my fifth ranked um, running back, so I gave him a second round grade, and my final right word for him was – Akers is a solid athlete who possesses the vision, burst, contact balance, and elusiveness in the open field. But his hands in pass protection ability need work and needs to clean up over, some over-aggressive tendencies behind the line of scrimmage. But I see him as a three-down back in a zone scheme. So he could be a guy that would fit the, the Chargers offense. But, um, you, I mean, you made all the, the points that I had in here. So, yeah, great play right on. Sure. So glad we agree on Akers. Uh, my other guy and – um, it's not one, again, that I, I really dove deep in. I just loved seeing him on the field, and that's Oregon linebacker Troy Dye. And yep. I love the size, speed, athleticism combination he has. He's listed at 6'4", around 225, 230 pounds. He played a good chunk of the season with a club on his hand, and to me that is such an easy way 
to root for a guy. I love seeing guys play with clubs because it's just a big, it's the mindset of like, I do not care if the bones in my hand are shattered or anything like that. Wrap it up, put some padding on it. I'm going to go back out there and play. So he was just a lot of fun to watch, especially in the, in the championship game against Utah, the conference, the PAC 12 game, uh, the Rose bowl win against the, the Badgers. He was just kind of all over the place. And, and I like it. It's good athleticism. He loves to run downhill. Um, he, again, that size kind of speed athleticism combination is something that does fit into the chargers, uh, defense where they love versatile guys. I mean, he can probably play will, uh, working on some Mike hell, even strong side If Kaiser white's playing the Sam, um, in the chargers defense, Troy Dye can definitely fill in there as well. So I think he's just a versatile guy who can play all three of the linebacker positions. And again, that club was just something really easy to root for, uh, whenever I see that on anybody on the field. Um, as far as, uh, let's see if I can get a third one. Cause you gave me a third one as well. Um, I think I want to lean towards, uh, Boise state's Ezra Cleveland. And we we've chatted about him a bunch. We think he's a, a prime target for the chargers at the top of the second. If they don't go tackle at six, you know, if they take a quarterback, they'll definitely take a tackle more than likely at the top of the second love Cleveland. I think he would fit so well in, in the zone run scheme. He does need a little more work on his functional strength. He's not like a weak guy though. He had 30 reps on the bench press at the combine, which is one of the top marks for a tackle might've been the top mark for a tackle. I know guards and centers usually tend to churn out a few more with a, with shorter limbs, but the guy's got great athleticism. He's a smooth in his past set, very patient punch. You love seeing patient offensive tackles because you don't want them to come into the NFL and be really jittery, you know, jumpy with their punch. It, it's just a bad habit. You don't want them to be scared. And it seems like he's kind of got all that, uh, his timing and everything under control. So I love Ezra Cleveland, 6'6", 311 ran a four, nine, one or four, nine, zero. I think it was in the 40. So also one of the most athletic tackles in the draft. I just think there's so much to work with there. Uh, the guy coming out of Boise state, they knew how to run the ball at Boise state. They've been running it really well over the last couple of years with guys like Alexander Madison, who was drafted by the Vikings last year. Uh, Mick Michaels, I think was his name. He ended up not doing too much in the NFL, but he was a touchdown machine um, back in college too. Um, yeah. I'd say he's probably my third draft crush in this class. Um, those are some good names. Those are some good names. Um, plenty of them could fit on the chargers as well. So I think there's a chance that, you know, one of us might see one of our guys wearing those powder blues next season, which would be quite frankly, just awesome. It'd make, but it would suck. Obviously if the season was shortened or not, we'd see a little bit less of them or it's canceled entirely, you know, yeah. say a prayer for that. I think, um, cause I wanted to go back to Troy die. Um, <laughs> Right and ahead. you were talking about that too. And he finishes my seventh ranked linebacker. I gave him a third round grade. And he reminds me of, and I love this guy coming out last year. And you could probably remember, he reminds me of uh, Bobby Okariki coming oh, out yep. from Stanford. Mm -hmm. He's got the athleticism. He's got the length. He's got the speed, range, coverage ability. Only thing is that he's just – he needs to get stronger and just he needs to be able to take on NFL blockers. And, you know, he could see the field a little bit better in the run game because he could be a little bit over aggressive with his angles at times. But I project him as a low end starting well linebacker in a four, three scheme um, as early as year one. And I put fit likelihood for the chargers high because again, we like the chargers like to get those guys that have, um, coverage ability and just given their history with guys that haven't been able to cover, I think it needs to become a priority. And you're seeing like 
these guys like the 49ers with Fred Warner and him being like a former safety, like in this league, you need to be able to know how to cover. You can't just like leave it to your former back safeties to be able to do that. Your linebackers better, better know how to cover. And Troy died, um, displayed that. And there's just one game against Stanford where he was covering. I'm pretty sure it was uh, Colby Parkinson. Uh, I don't think it was Caden Smith where he just like dropped back with him, ran stride for stride. And he just, uh, I don't know if he just tipped the ball or if he picked it off, but just those movement skills, that's what you want in your linebacker. Like, again, obviously you, they need to be able to know how to take on blockers just fine, but he has the speed to be able to get past um, climbing linemen um, and be able to get to the spot in time. But Troy Dye, he's just a tough player, man. Like, and that's why I was placed a fat third round grade on him. And that's what I gave Bobby Okariki last year as well and he, he just reminds me so much of him hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price Got your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. That's good news, man. That's good news. Um, I, yeah, I understand what you're talking about. This team definitely still needs uh, linebackers who are tough and can handle, you know, contact with offensive linemen who climb to the second level and, and can obviously be a force in the run game. But with tight ends like Travis Kelsey, with Darren Waller obviously having a breakout season, with Noah Fant from the, the Broncos, you know, poised to potentially make a step forward, and he's one of the most athletic tight ends. There, I mean, if you're thinking about it, the AFC West has some of the most athletic tight ends. Not let's just you know whether they're good or not; they are really good. But in general, athletically, it might be the best division in terms of tight ends. So the Chargers are going to face these guys each twice a season. They're going to need guys to to um, defend those tight ends, and it can't always be Derwin James because if Derwin James is always stuck on Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller or Noah Fan or whomever. It means that you're, they're taking Derwin away from something else he could be doing to potentially disrupt the offense in front of them. So they need more guys, which is obviously why I would be okay with an Isaiah Simmons or, or uh, someone along those lines, that athleticism at, uh, at linebacker. So that's a big point. Sounds like Dye could potentially be that guy if, if all things work out, um, but we will see. Um, let's see, guys. Finishing up here, going over the uniforms, going over draft crushes. Um, great conversation, by the way. Really appreciate you coming on again. Um, it's been a ton of fun. Again, guys, go check out his uh, draft guide, over 200 prospects. It's not going to be a waste of time. It's going to be well worth your time um, if you got time to read 200 prospects before tomorrow night. Either way. And I, I think it'll be good for future reference, too, yes. because, again, um, I wasn't able to get, you know, three, 300 prospects is always the goal. But just, mm -hmm. with, you know, we all have jobs. We all have tasks that we have to do. Mm -hmm. So I was fortunate to get over that 200 mark. That's always a – the goal for me, but um, next year it's 300 prospects. But again, you know, I didn't go too 
I, I went in depth, but I didn't go like too in depth with just like their role with the Chargers, but their fit likelihood. Um, obviously, I go with the low, medium, and a high threshold. So guys that are a high, it's kind of based on just their philosophy um, and just looking at their production. So I tie in the different factors. So I didn't give like high to like everyone. Um, you know, there's guys that are like low where I really don't think that they're going to to pick them, but you know, guys that have high in the fit likelihood, you know, you might want to pay attention to them and just go based on like my projected, or I mean my grade for them. Cause that's where I have them graded. Some of the guys are higher than others and lower than others. But again, um, I try to make it real specific, but simple for people to, to read and understand. But the final word, obviously you can read strength weaknesses. It's really detailed, but the final word kind of like, sums up the player uh, to the T. So that's why if Chargers, you know, let's say that they draft tomorrow um, Justin Herbert. So, you know, you go to Justin Herbert, my third ranked quarterback, you can read through his strengths and weaknesses. My final word, uh, Herbert possesses NFL style tools with the, with the size, athleticism, arm talent, arm talent, <clears throat> along with above average accuracy, but he needs to improve his decision-making instincts and consistency and he projects as an NFL starter in a spread RPO heavy offense, which I think the Chargers are trying to implement. And then, yeah, so the final word, it all it's in bold at the very end of the report for each player. That's like the go-to where you can kind of understand who the player is and what I think they're going to do at the next level. So pretty simple stuff. But, um, yeah, it's on the Chargers Wire uh, website. Um, it's free. So, again, there's just a link at the very bottom. You click that. You can either just read it from the, the PDF or you can download it so that way it's to your computer. And, uh, and yeah, it's just a good resource for tomorrow's draft and the rest of the weekend. Sounds great to me. Uh, thank you for going in a little more in depth about it to, to inform people prior to, you know, just sending them over there and, and hoping they figure it out themselves. So thank you for that information. Um, we're going to go ahead and tidy this thing up with just our quick and dirty thoughts on what we think is going to happen at number six tomorrow night for the Chargers. So, Gavino, I'll give this to you first. How do you see the first six picks playing out? Who do you feel like the Chargers are going to end up getting at number six? <clears throat> I've been saying this all along, um, the entire pre-draft process. I think it has to be a quarterback. Uh, it has to be Tour. It has to be Herbert. Whoever the Dolphins don't take, barring any trade-ups. Um, obviously, this entire pre-draft process and during the offseason, we've talked about praise for Tyrod Taylor um, with Anthony Lynn giving that to him. But the Chargers just simply need a long-term plan. And, um, you know, with where they're sitting, they have an opportunity to bring a talented quarterback on a rookie deal. And, you know, Herbert gets a lot of flack for what he did. He didn't improve in college. You know, I don't buy it because Herbert finished really, really high. I gave him a really high grade, but it's just like, it's a grade based on from freshman to to senior year. And I saw him since his, like since year one. And I just think he fits in with what the chargers want to do with their new offense. And given his personality, obviously he's more of a laid back guy and people like saying like, you know, if he was more rah, rah, he'd be higher up. I don't think so because it's based on like what is delivered on the film, but nonetheless, um, you know, like I mentioned, he's got the athleticism, he's got the arm, and then he just fits with the philosophy and how they want to go with the spread RPO system uh, moving forward. 
but you know, I don't see Tyrod Taylor as the, as a long-term option. And I say like a few things, it's just like, why wouldn't they draft a quarterback? You know, they were all in on Tom Brady earlier on. Obviously he's, he's a, he's a stud, you know, his pedigree speaks for itself, but it's just like, it's a given that they are kind of like hinting that they view Tyrod Taylor as a bridge. So it's just like, why not take advantage of where you're at and get a quarterback? Obviously people will say like, well, Simmons will take this defense over the top. We need an offensive tackle help um, to solidify the left side. But it's just like, with where you are, you're going to get one of those two, whoever falls. And like I mentioned just a little while ago, Herbert gets a lot of flack, but I just think with the system, you know, Shane Sykin hasn't been able to prove himself that much, but I feel I saw some promises with what he was doing. And I understand that him and Lynn and him and Lynn are trying to implement an offense and mesh their ideas together. I think it'd be fun football and the weapons that they have. It's just like, you really can't pass up on this opportunity. That's why I want them to. And I think that they will draft a quarterback. Um, I personally have Tua rated over him. And I think that Tua would obviously be really, really fun. And it would just help with bringing fans into their new stadium. Um, so it's, for me, it's got to be one of the two. Um, I don't know how they would pass on those guys. Obviously, you know, the media is lower on Herbert, but doesn't mean the NFL teams are. And I know the NFL teams love Herbert. Yeah, you're right. There's today of all days, of course, there's the Dolphins throwing smoke screen after smoke screen after smoke screen. Like, it's just, of course, 24 hours, you know, from the draft, everything is getting blown up. No one knows what to believe anymore. So it feels like anything can happen, but you know that usually it doesn't, but it can, right? We had a couple surprises last year in the top 10 with Jones going at six, Cullen Farrell going in the top five, like, which was incredible to see. Um, but I agree. So when I think about what's realistic, I see two things. I think we'll know what the Chargers are doing, depending what happens with the third pick. If the Chargers are able to trade up to number three, they'll probably take Tua. That's a gut feeling they could, I mean, there's Colin Coward for some reason thinks they'll trade up to three to take Herbert. You know, I don't know if I believe that, but it's an option. I think if they trade up to three, I think they will take Tua. If the Dolphins go up to three or in general, the Chargers stay at six, I think it's Herbert or it's an offensive tackle. But if I had to guess between those two, yes, I do think it would be Herbert. I think going into the very first season in SoFi, hopefully going into a new era of Chargers football, I think they would like it all to be strung together well and smooth. So it's not like the first season they're in the New Jerseys and SoFi, they're with Tyrod Taylor before they kind of start the new era of, you know, whoever their long-term franchise quarterback is. I think they're ready to do it now, regardless if, you know, they get the best quarterback they possibly could. Um, I think they'll get whoever they can and just say, all right, this is our guy. We're going to put everything towards him and, and honestly just kind of hope for the best. So, again, if they trade up to a – if they don't, it's probably going to be Herbert, if not an offensive tackle. So, um, what's your surprise? Let's just take it one step further. What is your one big surprise you think could potentially be there at six? So, um, not so much a guy has fallen, but a guy who could be available probably at six that they take and kind of just blows you away. Um, for me, it's still Jeff Okuda because the Lions are probably going to pick between Derek Brown and Jeff Okuda. 
And if they were to go with <clears throat> Derek Brown, I don't see the Giants taking Okuda. And then with the Dolphins, it's either going to be a quarterback or offensive tackle for them. So that would be the one surprise. And obviously, I tuned into your guys' um, uh, live mock draft, and you were able to snag Okuda. So that one would be the surprise to me with just passing um, passing the Lions. Because with you know, if you're choosing between Derek Brown and Jeff Okuda and you pick Derek Brown – that's questionable to me, but again, they lost Snacks Harrison, so it would make sense of why they might value <clears throat> uh, uh, Derek Brown a little bit more. But again, at the end of the day, I, Jeff Okuda is a, a better player, so it would surprise me to see it see him at six, and it would be understanding for the Chargers to take him just to kind of solidify that that secondary and fill that outside spot um, with with him. Yeah, no, I mean, crazier things have happened. All it takes is one guy who wasn't expected to go in the top five or six to just go. Um, I think my biggest surprise would be Andrew Thomas being the pick at six. Now, I think it was Sports Illustrated's Peter King who had the Chargers taking six or taking Thomas, excuse me, at six. And he said that according to who he has spoken with, the Chargers are in love with Thomas. Now, if they were truly in love with a pure left tackle, want to solidify that position in this draft, think that, you know, the tackle wealth is better than the quarterback uh, wealth, even, uh, you know, after if two was not available, then I can totally under understand it. But I think, you know, right now, I think uh, Thomas is the least exciting of the four top drafts. You know, he's solid, gets the job done again. That's kind of all you need. But uh, if I had to choose between him and Becton, I might just for the sake of uh, good football to watch. Becton's probably more fun to watch. I'm a Tristan Wirfs fan from being from the University of Iowa myself. Um, and then Jedrick Wills is just a good talent as well. He's super athletic, gets the job done, has a good finishing mentality. Um, so I think Thomas would be my big surprise at number six were it to happen. So, and then go ahead. I'm just going to add one more thing before right, let's we do it. hop off here. I just think that, you know, it's time with what you said. That's why it's easy to to say offensive tackle. And I think a lot of fans are saying offensive tackle because they're trying to avoid Herbert no matter what. So it's just like, you know, if Simmons is, is there, like how do you pass on him too? I could see the Chargers passing up on him. Um, that being just because, you know, they need a spot at linebacker, but they, they do like with what they have. And it's just like people are lower on Simmons because it's like, where are you going to put him? Obviously, you have a people have been putting like defense in their mock drafts, but that make they make a good point. I still say play him at safety, um, but recently I've been telling people it's like why, and it's kind of made them mad. In round two, or Akeem Davis guy there in round two because they're basically like Simmons light, and that will allow you to get your quarterback of the future. And people go off whenever I say that. Well, Simmons is there; he's the best player. It's just like you really have to think about where you're going to like put him and it, you have to think about the long term with him. Cause you know, he does have weaknesses to his game. He's not just like this, like special, like talent, mm -hmm. you know, we do this all the time and people like with Derwin James coming out of school, they were just like, there's not going to be another like Derwin James. And we just do this over and over. And I just think that like, if we didn't have Derwin James, be fine. But you know, just, it's like, where are you going to put him? And I think that Simmons is better off as, in the Derwin role. And I don't know like how he would just fit, 
with, with the linebackers. And, you know, this has been brought up a couple times too, and it's made out to be great conversation too. So that's why it's like, if Simmons is there, had fans that say like, you know, if they pass on Simmons, they're going to be mad. It's like, Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Um, Ultimately, like you said, it's got to be a quarterback or offensive tackle, but offensive tackle, I still can't get down with just given how deep this, this class is. And, um, you know, it's just like, well, it's like you're taking an offensive tackle, but it's just like, for me, it's always been like, you're passing on one of these quarterbacks, these two quarterbacks, three, I'll throw Jordan Love in there because I am higher on him. It's just like, I'm not down with Jalen Hurts. I'm, I'm sorry, but I have so many questions with him as a passer. Um, and I get he's a great leader. He can run the ball well, but I just can't get down with him. Jacob Eason, no. Jacob Fromm. So we're going to be doing this another year. And uh, my final thoughts where I'm going to wrap this one up is, with is people talk about like Tyrod Taylor, you know, it's just like give him a shot. Like if we're going to the season, we don't take a quarterback. It's Tyrod Taylor and Easton stick. And people are just like not factoring. It's like, it's going to be those two, or it's like, well, they could sign like Cam Newton or something. I don't know if they're going to do that, but they have a lot of notable free agents. Mm-hmm. If Tyrod Taylor tears this year up and it's just him, he's going to be wanting a lot of money. You know, just like with Ryan Tannehill, he led them to the playoffs. He got a lot of money. So it's like you have all of these playmakers, and who are you going to pay? That's why um, getting a rookie or a quarterback on a rookie contract makes so much deal or makes so much sense for now, but just the future too. So that's why I just like, I have so many points of why I think that it should be Tua or it should be Herbert. And that's one of them. It's just thinking about the long term as well. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, that's a lot of good points. Uh, I'm glad you said it. I'm glad we could get all this information out there because otherwise we're just going to say it in our private conversations between us too. So uh, <laughs> glad we could get that uh, recorded and on air. Really appreciate it. Um, so yeah, guys, that's been the show today. Um, really want to appreciate Gavino for coming on. Um, Gavino, thanks a ton. I know everyone go check out his, his 200 prospect full draft guide for the chargers read as much as you can prior to tomorrow night and continue to go back to it throughout the draft it's going to be a ton of fun it's going to be just an absolute blast it's like christmas eve every night of this week up until things finally get started tomorrow night so Gavino, thank you guys once again for stopping into the latest episode of chargers lately thank you once again to Gavino borquez of chargers wire really appreciate all that info guys this is like i said my last pre-draft pod before the draft gets kick started tomorrow evening, but do expect reaction pods, small short ones after each pick for some instant reaction to the Chargers selections. Uh, Chargers Lately is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, should be wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, subscribe, five-star review, do whatever you guys can. I would greatly appreciate that. And finally, if you guys don't already, go ahead and follow me at, uh, on Twitter, pardon me, at Zone Tracks. that's spelled Z-O-N-E-T-R-A-C-K-S. And with that, guys, I will see you tomorrow night for the sixth overall selection.